Hello, and welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. Today's program is brought to you by Will Kemp's Players Cooperative. Operating since 2017, Will Kemp's Players Cooperative, or WKP for short, is a Shakespeare company producing the works of the Bard in a way that we hope he recognizes. We also produce contemporary and new work, including an adaptation of Sleepy Hollow performed last Halloween. In addition, we perform workshops and instructional classes for both adults and children, and we perform revels involving Shakespeare's music, song, dance, and Shakespeareoke, where you get to be the star. Will Kemp's Players is coming to you from Troy, New York, by the Mahakanatuck, the waters that are never still, now known to us as the Hudson River. It is with gratitude and humility that we acknowledge we are learning, speaking, gathering, working, and playing on the ancestral homelands of the Mohicaniac, or Mohican, people who are indigenous to this land. Despite tremendous hardship in being forced from here, today their community resides in Wisconsin and is known as the Stockbridge Muncie. We pay honor and respect to their ancestors, past and present, as we commit to building a more inclusive and equitable space. Please get to know the indigenous communities of your area and find ways to support them. To support the Stockbridge Muncie, please go to www.mohican.com services and learn how you can support them. We also recognize that there are many other groups of people who have been affected by settler colonialism throughout history and continuing into the modern day, both abroad and here in the United States. In a play that especially addresses the effects of capitalism on the individual and what steps may be needed to take to transform their narrative into one of generosity, awareness, and action, we strongly support you, the listener, thinking about these things in your own life and contributing to the arts and to the organizations that serve to uplift these people and elevate their voices wherever and whenever possible. And now, Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Here, please take this little coin I have. Come back again after the new year. I will have a bit more to share. Thank you, Mr. Cratchit. Uh, uh, what about you, Mr. Scrooge? Bah, humbug. Would you like to donate to the less fortunate? For without your help, they may not make it through this harsh winter season. If they be like to die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Don't mind, Mr. Scrooge. Uh, now you better scoot along before he gets even grumpier. <laughs> Thank goodness they're gone. Time to get back to work. Bah! Humbug. Cratchit! You beautiful soul. The family thanks you for the sweet treats. They are delicious. And we demand the recipe. Oh, good luck. The missus won't even tell me. <laughs> and Uncle Scrooge. We miss you dearly. Bah! Humbug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that is what you said last year, too. Can I help you, nephew? Why, yes. Yes, you can, uncle. You can provide me and the family the pleasure of your company at our yearly Christmas extravaganza. No. Is it that time of year again? You will see me in... Let me assure you that Scrooge did go the full length of that expression. Ah, allow me to introduce myself. I narrate this tale. I may pop in from time to time and help clarify, or, in this case, censor. Uh, where were we? Ah, yes, Scrooge was being most unpleasant. Cratchit, I assume you will be demanding Christmas Day off to spend with your family instead of working. Well, if quite convenient, sir. It's not 
convenient, and it's not fair. If I were to dock your pay, you'd consider yourself ill-used, would you not? It is only once a year, Uncle. Be here all the earlier the next morning. And as for your cockamamie invitation, nephew... Oh, excellent news! We will see you tomorrow, then. Bye. Dearest Uncle, (laughs) you keep the holidays alive in your way, and I will keep them alive in mine. Cratchit, perhaps it is high time we discuss. Uh, Goodbye, good night, God bless, have a happy day. Humbug. Hello, me again. Scrooge seems pretty grumpy, if you ask me. Uh, But we shouldn't be too hard on him, of course. Uh, He has his reasons. It's difficult when you lose a lifelong business partner the way he did. Wait. What? You didn't know? Oh, well, Marley is dead. Dead as a doornail. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of this story. Think about it. If we were not perfectly convinced that Hamlet's father died before the play began, there would be nothing remarkable about his late night stroll through the marsh. And if I remember correctly, it was seven years ago tonight that Marley passed away. But I doubt that will come into play. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps we should check back in with old Scrooge. Uh, Having just finished his dinner without leaving a proper tip, Scrooge arrives at his front door and... (gasps) What? Yes. Uh, Yes. Yes. I assure you, Scrooge went the full length of that expression. And there it is. His dead partner's face on the door knocker. Uh, You remember Marley, don't you? I know for a fact that before this evening, there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door. Except that it was very large. I have seen it night and morning during my whole residence in this place. Could that have been Marley's face? It was not angry or ferocious, but but as Marley used to look, with ghostly spectacles turned up on its ghostly forehead. His eyes were wide open. They were perfectly motionless. As Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon, it was suddenly a door knocker once again. To say he was not startled would be untrue. I was not startled! He said untruthfully. Scrooge feverishly scoured around the house in order to ready himself for bed. Nobody under the table. Nobody under the sofa. Nobody under the bed. Nobody in the closet. Nobody in my dressing room. Which was hanging up in a suspicious attitude against the wall. Being quite satisfied with his search, he closed his door and locked himself in double locked himself in, which was not his custom. Thus secured against surprise, he put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap and sat down before the fire. What was that? Let me in, Scrooge! No solicitors! Go away! Sorry, I can't find the key. And just like that, Marley's ghost effortlessly floats through the door towards a very uneasy Scrooge. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Were you then? You're awfully particular for a ghost. In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Do you not believe in me? He did not. Why do you doubt your natural senses? Bah! Any little thing affects them. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a lot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. 
There's more gravy than of grave about you. Amba! Uh, Scrooge was not much in the habit of cracking jokes. The truth is, he was trying to distract his own attention and keep down his terror, for the specter's voice disturbed the very marrow in his bones. You are fettered. Tell me why. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. Is its pattern strange to you? The weight and length of the strong foil you bear yourself? Scrooge glanced down in the expectation of finding himself surrounded by some fifty or sixty fathoms of iron cable. He saw nothing. Speak some comfort to me, Marley. I have none to give. Hear me. My time is nearly gone. I hear you, but I'm sure I cannot take much more. I come to warn you. You have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. You were always a good friend to me. You will be haunted by three spirits. I'd rather not. Expect the first borrow when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over with? Expect the second on the next night. At the same hour. Is that a no? The third, upon the next night, when the last stroke of twelve has ceased. After pondering for a moment, Marley floated past the window and out upon the bleak, dark night. Scrooge could hardly make out his parting words. Remember what has passed between us. Scrooge followed to the window, desperate in his curiosity. He rushed to examine the door by which the ghost had entered. It was still double locked. Bah! And with that, Scrooge fell asleep upon the instant. When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls, when suddenly the chimes of a neighboring church struck. Scrooge listened for the hour, but to his great astonishment, the heavy bell went on from six to seven and from seven to eight, and regularly up to twelve, then stopped. Twelve? It was past two when I went to bed. The clock's wrong. An icicle must have gotten to the works. Twelve? Why, it isn't possible that I can't have slept through a whole day and far into another night. Scrooge lay in this state until the bell chimed a quarter past when he remembered of a sudden that Marley warned him of a visitation when the bell tolled one. Past. Ding dong. A quarter to one. Ding dong. The hour itself into nothing else. Scrooge began speaking before the hour bell completely sounded, which it now did with a deep, dull, hollow melancholy. One. Light flashed up in the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn in a flash. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. He put out his strong hand as he spoke and clasped Scrooge gently by the arm. Rise and walk with me. The weather and the hour are not really adapted to my pedestrian purposes. My bed is warm and the thermometer a long way below freezing. I am in my slippers, dressing gown, and nightcap. The spirit's grasp, though gentle, was not to be resisted. Scrooge rose, but the spirit made its way towards the window. I am just a mortal and, and liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand, and you shall be of health and more than this. 
as the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. The city had entirely vanished and gave way to a clear, cold winter day. I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. Scrooge was conscious of a thousand odors floating in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long, long forgotten. Your lip is trembling, and what is that upon your cheek? It is a pimple. He said untruthfully. Lead me where you would. Do you recollect the way? I could walk these streets with my eyes closed. Look, I recognize that gate, that post, that tree, and that dog. <laughs> oh, how I wish I could play fetch with him once more. When all of a sudden, at a local school, let out. and a stream of jocund students rushed the streets, all wishing one another happy holidays as they were met by the arms of their families. Scrooge joyously named every one. He rejoiced beyond all bounds to see them, even if his cold eyes glistened and his heart leaped up into his throat as they went past. Anyone could see that Scrooge was elated to see each and every student, even as his heart broke with every family reunion that didn't include himself. Out upon Merry Christmas! What good has it ever done for me? The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still. I know. All the other boys had gone home for the jolly holidays. Scrooge looked at the ghost and, with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously towards the door. It opened, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in. Dear, dear brother, I have come to bring you home, dear brother. To bring you home, home, home. Home, little fan. Home for good and for all. Home forever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be that home's like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night when I was going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you. And you're to be a man and are never to come back here. That sounds wonderful. Remember, Scrooge, these are only shadows of things that have been. Shall we see another Christmas? No, thank you. I would willingly stay here with her forever. It wasn't a question. With that, they left the high road and soon approached a rundown mansion of dull red brick with broken windows, poorly furnished rooms, and what one would assume to be very little food. Shall we go in? Again, this was not a question. Inside, they found a lonely boy reading near a feeble fire. Here, Scrooge collapsed, weeping to see his poor, forgotten self as he used to be. Then, with a rapidity of transition very foreign to his usual character... Poor boy! I wish... But it's too late now. What is the matter? Nothing. Nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. Like to have given him something, that's all. Might we see another Christmas? Indeed. Within a blink, they arrive quite literally in the middle of a dance. <laughs> is this? Is this Fezziwig's yearly celebration? <laughs> do you not recognize where we are? <laughs> of course I do. I apprenticed here. <laughs> Why? It's old Fezziwig, bless his heart. It's Fezziwig alive again. <laughs> Yo ho, my boys. No more work tonight, Ebenezer. Highly <laughs> ho. There were dances, and there were games, and there were more dances, and there was cake, and there was a great piece of cold roast, and there were pies, and plenty to drink. <laughs> but when the fiddler struck up a chord, that is when old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig. Top couple, too, not to be trifled. 
During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene, and with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. Oh, then the clock struck eleven. The ball broke up. All the cheerful voices died away, and we were left to our beds, under a counter in the back shop. It was not until now that he remembered the ghost. A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small? Why, is it not? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise? Scrooge was heated by the remark. It isn't that, spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost a fortune. What is the matter? Nothing particular. Something, I think. No. No. I'd like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. My time grows short. Quick. Scrooge saw himself older now, a man in the prime of life. There was an eager, greedy, restless motion in the eye, which showed the passion that had taken root, and where the shadow of the growing tree would fall. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a mourning dress, in whose eyes there were tears which sparkled sadness in the light. It matters little. To you, even less. Another idol has displaced me. And if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? A golden one. This is the even-handed dealing of the world, the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much. All your other hopes have merged. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one. Have I not? What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I've not changed towards you, am I? Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so until in good season we could improve our worldly fortune by our patient industry. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. And I release you. I have sought release. In words. No, never. In what, then? In a changed nature, in an altered spirit, in another atmosphere of life, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this had never happened between us, tell me, would you seek me out and try to win me now? You think not. I would gladly think otherwise, if I could, heaven knows. But if you were free today, Tomorrow, yesterday, can I believe that you would choose a dowerless girl? You who weighs everything by gain, your repentance and regret would surely follow, and I release you. The full heart for the love of him you once were. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me? Remove me from this place. I told you these were shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me. I cannot bear it. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. As if by magic, Scrooge was back in his bed. He was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness. He barely had time to reel into his bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. I have had a dream. 
past the sense of man to say what dream it was. <clears throat> past the wit of man. Scrooge felt restored and ready to confront his conference with the second ghost and challenge the spirit on the moments of its arrival. He did not wish to be taken by surprise. I do not wish to be taken by surprise again. That is for sure. I am prepared for anything. He was not by any means prepared for nothing. As the clock struck one and no shape appeared, Scrooge took to a violent fit of trembling. One oh five and still nothing. One ten and still nothing. In a moment of trembling spontaneity, Scrooge thought he might be safer if he locked himself in the room, but the moment his hand touched the lock, Scrooge! Scrooge hesitantly entered the room and was simply dumbfounded by its surprising transformation into a perfect grove. Gleaming berries glistened. Leaves of holly reflected light as if a thousand tiny mirrors had been brilliantly scattered there. The smell of roasted turkey, geese, and game perfectly blended with plum pudding and roasted chestnuts over the largest fire Scrooge had ever witnessed inhabit his heart. Come in, come in, and know me better, man. Scrooge timidly turned and focused his attention on the jolliest of all giants. Not that Scrooge had seen many giants prior to this moment. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. Scrooge reverently looked upon the spirit they wore a simple green robe that hung so loosely on the spirit, their bare chest was made available for all to see. You have never seen the likes of me before. Never. That was not a question. <laughs> the ghost rose to reveal his full height towering over a very timid Scrooge. Conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion, and I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit from it. Touch my room. What did you do with the floor? And the wall? And the ceiling? Where is my room? And just like that, Scrooge found himself being whisked above the streets on Christmas morning. The weather was rough, but affected him not at all. The sky was gloomy and dark, half as frozen as the tundra, while every chimney piped out smoke as if the whole town had caught a blaze. This looks so dreadfully dreary. Why is everyone so jovial and full of glee? <laughs> Singing, or exchanging high-speed snowballs, or sharing wordy jests while laughing extra heartily. They seem radiant in their glory. <laughs> Carrying their highly decorated boxes and the storefronts, decorated with the most sensational batches of holly I have ever seen. All in such a hurry. Eager for what? While Scrooge continued his misanthropic rant, he suddenly stopped and turned to the spirit, who seemed lost in this humanistic moment. The spirit gleefully began sprinkling his sparkling torch dust over every lackluster meal and every quarreling couple he could find. Scrooge seems confused as he watches the spirit flitter down the street, turning every frown he could find upside down. With a dainty type of fairy magic he had only read about midsummers ago. It is a shame to quarrel on Christmas Day. <laughs> is there a peculiar flavor in what you sprinkle from your torch? Or oh, my own! Would it apply to any kind of dinner on this day? To any kind of dinner? To a poor one most. Why the poor the most? Because they needed it the most. Oh. Here, Scrooge began understanding his second lesson in such a short time. The spirit whisked them off once again, and in the blink of an eye they found themselves in Cratchit's house. You can't even tell it is last year's dress. Once it is gussied up with a sixpence of the finest ribbons, no one will know the difference. I will, Mom. Peter, please be careful. Hot, hot, hot. Uh, the, 
potatoes are done! <laughs> we, we smelled, smelled the goose! goose. Is, Is it supper, supper yet? yet? We, we smelled, smelled it from, from a mile away. away! What were you kids doing a whole mile away? We weren't! May I have this dance? Why, yes, you may. <laughs> Let us take this dance into the other room, shall we? Supper is being made presently. And has anyone seen Martha? She was supposed to be here ages ago. Here Martha comes. She's walking up the pathway as we speak. Well, let her in or she'll catch a cold. Sorry I'm late. Bless your heart a lot. Oh, we had a deal of work to finish up last evening and, and had to clear a great deal of snow this morning. Well, never mind. So long as you are calm, sit before the fire and warm up. Father is walking up the path and Tiny Tim is on his shoulders. No time for the fire. Hide yourself quickly. I am home. <laughs> I am also home. Let me off your shoulders, Father. I want to see Martha. I too would like to see Martha. Where is our Martha? Martha! Not coming, I'm afraid. What? Not coming? Not coming for Christmas Day? <laughs> oh, don't be so cruel to Father. You know I can't stand to see you so disappointed, even if only for a joke. Oh, where is my hug? <laughs> How did Tiny Tim behave? Oh, not done hugging quite yet. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> he was good as gold and better. Somehow he gets more thoughtful. He spoke this evening about how this being a cripple was a blessing, for without it he would not be who he was. Is supper ready? Can I help? Not yet, but with your help it will be ready before we know it. I will make the gravy. Peter, you are in charge of mashing mm -hmm. the potatoes. Belinda is in charge of the applesauce, mm -hmm. and Martha can set the tables. Right. For you, Tiny Tim, you and Father get to set up the table and chairs. And don't forget a chair for you this time. God bless us, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot the forks. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No. Oh. No, this cannot be. Say he will be spared. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it, and decrease the surplus population. Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the Spirit, and was overcome with penitence and grief. And with a swish of his forest green robes, Scrooge and the Spirit disappeared, but Scrooge was too lost in thought to notice. That was until he heard his name. I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. Dear, the children. Ah! And Christmas Day? It should be Christmas Day, I am sure, on which one drinks to the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do, poor fellow. But... Christmas Day. I'll drink to his health for your sake and the day's, not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> After the moment had passed, the family got ten times merrier than before. Again, Without notice, Scrooge found himself in an unfamiliar place, accompanied by a familiar son. That's my nephew. I know that hearty laugh from anywhere. <laughs> he said that Christmas was a humbug as I live. He believed it, too. More shame for him, Fred. He's a comical old fellow, that's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. At least he is rich, Fred. You always tell me so. What of that, my dear? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. 
the consequence of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is, as I think, that he loses some pleasant moments which could do him no harm. Let us think on him no more. And they didn't think on Scrooge for the rest of the evening. And much like the Cratchits, their merriment increased tenfold. Until... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shall we play a round of yes, no? Yes, that sounds splendid. I will begin. Is it an animal? Yes. Is it a savage animal? No. Oh. Hmm. A disagreeable animal. <laughs> yes. Oh, does it live in London? Mm, yes. <laughs> a horse. An ass? <laughs> A cow. Mm -hmm. huh. Bull. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have it! I have it! I know who it is! Well? It's your Uncle Scrooge! Yes! <laughs> he has given us plenty of merriment for sure, and it would be ungrateful not to drink for his health. Here is a glass of mulled wine ready to our hand at the moment. And I say to Uncle Scrooge! To me. To, to Uncle, Uncle Scrooge! <laughs> for the first time, the spirit of Christmas present offered a warning for the emotionally burdened Scrooge. And with a small tug of the spirit's flowing robe, Scrooge found himself back home with his head in his hands. The darkness was penetrating. <laughs> The bell struck twelve. And as the last stroke of the bell ceased to vibrate, Scrooge lifted up his eyes and beheld a solemn phantom. Draped and hooded, coming towards him like a mist along the ground. Am I in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? We're about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? Lead on. The phantom moved away at a pace. Scrooge followed in the shadow of its dress, which bore him up and carried him along. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up about them. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. Scrooge, observing that the spirit's hand was pointed at them, advanced to listen to their talk. When did he die? Last night. Why? What was the matter with him? <laughs> I thought he'd never die. Oh, who knows? Well, what about all his money? Certainly didn't leave it to me, that's all I know. It's going to be a cheap funeral, and for upon my life, I don't know anybody that would attend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I don't mind going if lunch is provided. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spirit, my... The phantom remained quiet and dark with its outstretched hand. The unseen eyes were looking at him keenly. It made Scrooge shudder, feel very cold. And again, the scene changed with what appeared to be little to no effort on the spirit's behalf. I have seen this place. Far in this den is an infamous resort. There is a lowbrow beetling shop below a penthouse roof where iron, old rags, bottles, bones, and greasy offal were bought. Cratchit mentioned having to sell off a few baubles in order to feed his family. <laughs> Come in! Are they talking to us? <laughs> they don't, don't stand there as if he was a brave woman. Who's the wiser? <laughs> We're not going to pick holes in each other's <laughs> No, indeed, we should hope not. <laughs> Very well, then. That's enough. 
Who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not the dead man, I suppose. <laughs> if you wanted to keep him after he was dead, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death instead of lying, gasping out his last breath alone by himself. <laughs> That's the truest word was ever spoke. It's a judgment on him. Uh, oh, what are these? <laughs> Bed curtain. <laughs> you don't mean to say you took him down, rings and all, with him lying there? <laughs> yes, I did. I don't see why not. What about this shirt? They were gonna waste it. How so? Bury him in it. He frightened everyone away from him while he was alive. To profit us when he was <laughs> Scrooge listened to this dialogue in abject horror. As they sat grouped about their spoils, Scrooge viewed them with detestation and disgust. From his point of view, they had been obscene demons profiting off the corpse itself. His corpse. Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me. Let us go. I understand. If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, show that person to me, spirit. I beseech you. The specter, still silent in his motions, guided a teary-eyed Scrooge to the gravestone where Scrooge was forced to confront his mortality. And it appeared to work. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me how I may sponge away the writing on the stone. Learn from us. Learn from us. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. Oh, Jacob Marley, heaven and Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. And just as if nothing had happened at all, Scrooge found himself back kneeling at the foot of his own bed at his own house. Yes, it worked. This bedpost is my own. The bed is my own. The room is my own. Best and happiest of all the time before me is my own to make amends in. He was so fluttered and so glowing with his good intentions that his broken voice would scarcely answer to his call. He had been sobbing quietly in his conflict with the spirit and his face was wet with tears. I don't know what to do. <laughs> He was practically laughing and crying in the same breath. I am light as a feather. I am happy as an angel. Oh, I am as merry as a schoolboy. I am giddy as a drunken man. Oh, a Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year to all the world. Hello there. Woo. Hello. <laughs> really? For a man who had been out of practice for so many years, it was a splendid laugh. A most illustrious man. <laughs> I don't know what day of the month it is. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. I'm quite a baby. Never mind. I don't care. I'd rather be a baby. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello there. Running to the window, he opened it and put out his head. No fog, no mist. Clear, bright, jovial, stirring, cold. Golden sunlight, heavenly sky, sweet fresh air. Oh, glorious, glorious. What day is today, young man? Why, Christmas Day. Good, I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. Hello, young man. Do you know the poulterers in the next street but one at the corner? I should hope so. Remarkable boy. Do you know whether they sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey, the big one. What, the one as big as me? Oh, 
a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to him. Yes, my young buck. It's hanging there now. Go and buy it in earnest. Go and buy it and, and tell him to bring it here that I may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back in less than five minutes with him and I'll give you half a crown. Oh. The boy was off like a shot and returned well under the five-minute window Scrooge had provided and with the shop owner. Good sir, I would like you to send this luscious fowl to the Cratchit's home. He shunned over sent it. He's twice the size of Tiny Tim. Now if you put a rush to it, uh, there is a crown in it for you. Do you know the Cratchits? Of course, he is a very generous man, that Cratchit. Scrooge dressed himself, all in his best, and at last rushed out into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth as he had seen them with the ghost of Christmas present, and walking with his hands behind him, Scrooge regarded every one with a delightful smile. Good morning, and a Merry Christmas to you, good sir. Oh, most pleasant day. Good morning, and may Christmas be in your heart and soul. Scrooge had not traveled far when, coming on towards him, he beheld the portly gentleman who had walked into his counting house the day before. It sent a pang across his heart to think how this old gentleman would look upon him when they met, having insulted his kindness the day prior. But Scrooge knew what path lay straight before him, and he approached the man from his shop, gripped both of his hands, and said, my dear sir, how do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you. A Merry Christmas to you, sir. M Mr. Scrooge, is that you? Yes, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon. Will you allow me to make a donation, considering how I mistreated you yesterday? Here, Scrooge leaned in and whispered in the gentleman's ear. Lord bless me! Are you serious? Not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in that, I assure you. Don't be a stranger. Please come and visit me again. Please. Uh, I will, sir. I am much obliged. Uh, thank you, sir, but I must be going. I have someone to go visit in great haste. He must have passed the door a dozen times before he had the courage to go up and knock. But he made a dash and did it. Nephew! Why, bless my soul. Who's that? It's I, your Uncle Scrooge. I have come to dinner. Uh, will you let me in, Fred? Let him in! It's freezing out there! That moment, Scrooge was home. Spending the evening enjoying a wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful unanimity, and wonderful happiness. But be sure Scrooge was early to the office next morning. Oh, he was early. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he had set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. He was a full 18 minutes and a half behind his time. Scrooge sat with his door wide open so that he might see him when he arrived. Cratchit's hat was off before he opened the door, his comforter too. He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake the nine o'clock. Hello. He growled most convincingly. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? Step this way, sir, if you please. Uh, it shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. Oh, now I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. What? Merry Christmas, Bob. <laughs> a merry Christmas, Bob. My good fellow that I have given you for many a year. Raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family, and we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking Bishop Bob. Make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more, 
and to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. Scrooge became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh while his own heart laughed along, and that was quite enough for Scrooge. He had no further interference with spirits, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep truth and happiness in his heart. May that truly be said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Fast away the old year passes, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Hail the new ye lads and lasses, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Sing we joyous all together, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Heavers of the wind and weather, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Thank you for listening to Will Kemp's Players Cooperative's adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, adapted by Shane Suspenkowski, directed by Devin Traeger, edited by Lita Carbone, and recorded at the Electric City Barn in Schenectady, New York. Bob Cratchit was played by Phil Beatty. Fezziwig and the Portly Gentleman were played by Devin Traeger. Scrooge was played by Christoph Maria. Peter Cratchit and the role of Caroler was played by Imzak Muhammad. The role of Fred was played by Shane Suspenkowski. Dan Smirlock played our narrator. Jacob Marley and Belinda Cratchit was played by Ash Fisker. Christmas Past, Tiny Tim were played by Carrie Lewis. Christmas Present and Stranger by Theo Carbone. Fanny Scrooge and Mrs. Cratchit were played by Rachel Moore. Belle and Boy were played by Lita Carbone. Martha, Mrs. Dilber, and Niece were played by Shay Fitzgerald. And Pawner was played by our artistic director, Sandra Boynton. Please feel free to check out our website at www.willkempsplayers.com. That's www.willkempsplayers.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at willkempsplayers. Please feel free to be generous this season and support Will Kemp's Players in its mission to continue as a member-owned and operated professional theater cooperative whose purpose is to evolve early modern theatrical practice into the present through producing the works of William Shakespeare, as well as those of contemporary artists, including our members. We both adapt and challenge the conventions of Shakespeare's time to manifest theater inspired by our changing needs and values. We invite you to participate in open public engagement that addresses the complexities of the world we live in. We are committed to reflecting, imagining, and reveling in our surroundings with everyone who wants to join in. Until next time.